Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Welcome back. It's great to see everybody. Happy 2023. Still, y'all doing okay? Happy New Year. All right, just making sure. Um, today, uh, we're beginning a, a new series um, that we are going uh, to talk about sort of what this year is going to look like. Uh, about probably around the fall, uh, early fall, Clay Everett walked into my office with a calendar that he had drawn uh, with 2023 uh, to help us organize um, some of the things we're doing as a church. And so he drew it in a circle like this. And not only did it draw in a circle, but if you notice, it went counterclockwise. I've never seen a calendar in a circle. And whenever I do anything, it always goes clockwise. I always do that. And so I was a little taken off and I looked at this over and over again. It's been sitting in my, in my journal for a while. And I keep looking at this going, why do I like this so much? Why is this so intriguing to me? And if you remember last year, uh, we started off January and we called it Mush Month. Anybody remember this? Like a few of you guys remember Mush Month, right? So this year we're gonna mark January um, something a little bit uh, different. We're gonna call January a sketch month, a sketch month. A lot of us, uh, how many of you guys have already picked your word this year? Have you picked your word already for this year? Oh, good, not nearly as many as the earlier service, um, which is good uh, because we're going to actually do something very different this year. And I think we're going, it's gonna surprise you um, in some ways because instead of just picking your word and then sharing it with other people, we're actually going to spend some time sharing the process of picking our words. We're gonna ask the kind of questions that we need to ask to one another. We're gonna process some things. Um, for those of you who aren't sure, you know, uh, most of us, when we start the new year, we make this list of promises, also known as resolutions, of all the things we're gonna do every day for the rest of the year, or all the things we're never gonna do again for the rest of the year. And we all know that doesn't work because as soon as you blow something, right, you just basically wait till the next year to start all over again. And um, so for, for, for years, this will, we, we've forsaken this idea of New Year's resolutions and picked a word, a word that would serve as a lens through which you can identify God's work in your life through lots of areas of your life, but it keeps you really focused. This will be my 17th word um, that I've picked. And, and very few things uh, have been more accessible and more helpful to me in my own personal sort of processing of my faith and what God's done in my life than this simple exercise of picking a single word and then staying with it for an entire year. And so I don't, you know, and, and obviously we've talked about this, you know, anybody can just pick a word. You can just grab one. You can actually pick someone else's word, which is super fun. We're not gonna do that though. But to really go through the process, to see something, to explore something, to consider something that perhaps you haven't yet considered is what I wanna spend the month um, doing. And so we really wanna in, in, embrace the process in which we pick a word. The reason I like this is that January 2023 begins here and we're gonna go through the entire year. And you're gonna show back up in January of 2024 
and you're going to be somebody. Something is going to have occurred in you. Something that either causes you or pushes you to become more the kind of person you would like to be, or it undermines that work. You're going to show back up here a year from now, and you're, something is going to have happened in you. Maybe you're going to be more hopeful and aware of things that exist in the future, or you've grown more cynical and hardened because you just sort of made one more lap around the sun, and it's just been the same song, 37th verse, or whatever year you happen to be in. And so I want us to consider how we would use this year if it really holds for us the possibility for us to become someone. The question I would ask you, I assume you believe this, but that God has intended you or created you to become something. You're supposed to reflect some part of him, some image, part. there's something about you that is unique and that you need to become, that there's a part of that um, that God longs to do in you. We wanna really embrace this idea of time as the process through which that happens. So I have two assumptions with you, uh, for, us, for us. Assumption number one is this, that everybody is becoming somebody. At the end of this year, you're not going to be different in the sense that you're gonna be exactly the same. You're going to, again, either be more hardened in who you've already become or other things are gonna happen, but you're, you're becoming somebody. And the way in which we become is based on what we encounter, what we see, that the, the way in which you become that person is based on what you see. The second assumption is we are shaped by what it is that we see, by what it is that we encounter. And the way I want to think about this is that the way in which or what we live our lives with is likely going to be the most shaping force that causes us or that shapes who we become when January rolls around again. Whatever you live with will probably be the most shaping force that causes you or shapes you into the person you become in January 2024. If you live with fear, guess what you're gonna be shaped by? If you live with anxiety, guess what you're gonna be shaped by? If you live with cynicism, guess what you're gonna be shaped by? If you are surrounded by negativity all the time, guess what is more than likely going to be the shaping force in your lives? The thing that we encounter, the thing that we see, the thing that we do life with becomes the, most, the single most shaping force that contributes to who it is that we become. Makes sense, right? So we need a month to sort of orient ourselves and to figure out what we're gonna do. Um, I, I love um, architecture. Um, I always have. Uh, I studied architecture. One of my favorite architects, his name is Frank Geary. Frank Geary, I believe is like 94 or 96 years old, long careers, designed some of the most controversial, some of those risky buildings uh, on the planet, all over the world, uh, the stuff that he's designed is bizarre. Um, he began his career, he's kind of the father of deconstructivism, which is, which is really popular now, but he was deconstructing architecture and not like the whole world system. And um, so he would experiment by taking uh, materials that weren't typically used in particular places and then put them in places uh, like he had a chain link fence up on his roof in his house. And it's very strange corrugated metal around these edges. He would just do things that were very odd as he would experiment with what, how things would work together. 
And so now he's world famous and he's my favorite. He's designed, this, one of his most famous works is the uh, uh, Guggenheim Museum in Balboa, Spain. But this is the Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles, California. You'll see this. You'll see why I love him. Uh, this is Frank Gehry. He's like, oh, this is so cool. Uh, he also designed, uh, well, uh, he also designed, this is uh, the Brain Center, the uh, Center for Brain Science at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. Uh, I said, whoa, man, you guys are like into this. Like, I'm feeling this. I would love for my house to be like that. So cool. Uh, this is the Marriott uh, Hotel in Spain. And it's just, it's like we have some architectural connoisseurs in here. And, and I, I love, like, to, like I've, I've watched him, listened to him do interviews on, on how he designs things, how he thinks about things, how he arrives at these. But one of the things that Frank Gehry is most famous for, other than his sort of eccentric designs, is his sketches. And his sketches often look like middle school or elementary school scribble on a piece of paper. It's this idea that he gets in his head and he scribbles it out and it looks something like this. This is one of his famous sketches. Impressive, huh? <clears throat> this is actually the Louis Vuitton Foundation that became this. It's like how in the world something is like that in someone's head and then ends up like that. I'll tell you how. It's a process. It's a process. It's the willingness to put something down that you think that you see in order to actually explore it, for it to become what you thought you might see when you first wrote it down. Does that make sense? You need a sketch. I think I love about sketching is this, and I'm, I'm not an artist, but I do sketch all the time. I, I use scratch paper. I use my journal. I use a pen. I often don't begin writing on my computer because it feels too final. Some of you, when you're writing, right, you edit all your sentences as you write because you can't stand the thought of a mistake being on your page. You're like, backspace, backspace, right? You're like having like a coronary while you're sitting there trying to type because you're so stressed out that it might not be right. And what a sketch does is a sketch allows you to get something down on paper that you fundamentally know is going to be incomplete. And you fundamentally know that it is going to be imperfect. The beautiful thing about a sketch is you don't sketch with an eraser. You just sketch and you have one line at the right place. You just draw the line somewhere else and you just keep moving and keep moving until you get the form, the shape, the idea that you can begin to see. And it's important to understand that you're beginning to see this. I want to call January a sketch month because a lot of us, we begin this year and we think about, oh my gosh, I'm going to become someone in 2023. January 2024, I'm going to be somebody and I've got to get all of this right every single day, all along the way, and all you feel is pressure. And what you need is you need a space where you can put down some incomplete thoughts and where you can put down some imperfect ideas and look at it to see what might form or what might take shape out of those initial thoughts that you have. To do a sketch month, instead of just grabbing your word and picking it, I want you to consider some questions, consider direction, consider things that perhaps you haven't considered before. To really let your mind, let your heart be open to some of the things. What kind of person do you want to become? I'm not just talking about, do you want to be kinder? Of course you should be kinder. <clears throat> if you don't think you should be kinder, then you really doubly need to work on being kinder this year. But it's not just about the kind of person that you're going to become in terms of your character traits. Are you more like this or that? But I'm talking about the kind of person and what it is that you offer actually, uh, what you actually offer to the world around you, what you contribute to the world around you. In our culture, we are living in a, in a, just where it's so pervasive 
this idea of suicidal ideation and self-harm. And the reason is because what happens inside of the soul of a person, there's this sort of disintegration and you come to believe that you don't offer anything valuable to the world around you, to the people around you, therefore be better. The world will be better off without you. And to consider that you as a human being, as someone who has been intended and designed, regardless of what you've been through or where you've been, that this, this season, this, this year that unfolds around us, that there are things that you're going to become. And not only are you going to become those things, but you're becoming those things is actually going to contribute something meaningful to the people around you, to the work that you do with your hands, to the relationships that you have. We need a vision for this. And what you need is, you, and this is, this is not likely, the older you get, the more stuck you get, we get. I'll put myself in that category. We get in our thinking. We need to consider some things differently. One of my favorite, one of my, in my office, I have a quote uh, that's written on my shelf in front of my, right at eye level. It says, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And then right above that, I have a fr- uh, quote from Frank Geary. And it's written on an index card. It's scribbled out in my handwriting and it simply says, I've often felt that if you knew what you were going to do when you began, you would never do it. Here's what I think that means. This isn't like, oh, it's like just to have no vision. If you look at Frank Geary's architecture, 25, 30 years ago, he was criticized as ruining architecture because all of the processing that was required during those days, he was willing to risk and to take the kind of risk to turn out and to get to the kind of buildings that you see today. To consider the kind of person you're gonna become means it's gonna require something from you. You're gonna be pushed and shaped and challenged in ways. And if you knew exactly what it would be, you probably wouldn't do it. What I think I love about this is what way Frank Geary approached his architecture, his design was with a sense of curiosity, but also with a sense of reverence. A sense of curiosity of what could possibly be available but also a deep sense of, of, of reverence for what has been and what doing and offering these kinds of things to the world brings. And I would love for us to consider our future, 2023, with the same description. To look at this year ahead and to be curious about it. Right, we live where so, there's so much cynicism and disheartening and all the nonsense that we see that we just sort of lose heart. We basically just sort of put our head down and try to survive, try to get through another day, try to get through another year. When you do that, you lose the curiosity about what could be. What's available? What is there to see, to understand, to learn, to grow, to be curious, but also to be reverent about the future. I'm not talking about being whimsical, but the person that you become, the person I become actually matters to the kind of future we're gonna experience together and relationships as a church. And that what we, who we become actually brings something to bear on the world around us. So I want us to consider this and, and, and I want us to take it so seriously that we're willing to sketch some things about it. So the two things I wanna kind of remind you of as we start this is I want you to be completely okay with your ideas or your thoughts being incomplete and I want for you to be completely okay. I just wrote it again, didn't I? With them being imperfect. Y'all hear that? 
One of the things that I've found in my own journey, spiritually, relationally, uh, professionally, if you call it, I do professional, whatever you say, career-wise, this job, um, is to become very aware of my default responses to things. So like, the reason I like this idea of a sketch month is it allows us to grab your first thoughts, your first reactions, and write them down. When someone says something, when you hear something, you encounter something, what do you, what do you immediately think or see? What do you observe about it? And to write it down. What I've learned in my own life is oftentimes my first thoughts are, they're certainly incomplete, but often they're wrong. You ever had a first thought and it's just completely wrong? No? I can tell you what word you need to pick this year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what we need is a category to be able to think like that without it being an indictment on who we are. To just see what we see, to get curious about what and why and how we see this this way. We think this way. Our, our, my, my, my initial perspective is, is so limited and I've just gotten very comfortable with that. Because whenever you realize that your perspective is limited and your first thoughts are often incomplete, you can get really curious about what's on the other side of those things. And what I've come to believe about God, God is more, he is more concerned about his truth than I am. And if I pursue him in this way, he is so faithful. He is so faithful to reveal himself to us, to reveal himself to me. I used to be so afraid that I was gonna think something wrong about God and then he was gonna like strike me dead, which is a wrong thought about God, ironically enough. And so I've just tried to get curious, God, who are you? Who are you? Let's, let's do a sketch month. Um, one more thought is that not only um, is to give yourself permission to be incomplete, have incomplete thoughts in the sketch month, imperfect thoughts. It's not only a part of the process, it's essential to it. If you don't give yourself that latitude, more than likely, you are only going to grow hardened in what you have already experienced. So that's kind of what's at stake in this. Um, we need to pay attention to what we see. And again, my shameless plug is that picking a word has been the single most helpful exercise that I have found to be able to do that consistently over an extended period of time. Uh, so that's why I will be picking my word in February and I will be processing it with you. I'll be using some resources that we've made available and I invite you to do the same. So I wanna talk about Moses and make some observations. Many of you have heard about Moses. Uh, you've read about him in the Bible or maybe you've seen the movie. And uh, Moses is sort of famous for leading the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and into the Promised Land. Y'all know the story, right? Remember the story? But it's interesting because we have this sort of picture of it that I think we lose a lot of the, the human aspect because it just sounds like Moses saw a burning bush and then all this changed. I want us to slow down and look at this. And just for context, it'll be in Exodus chapter three. But Moses grew up uh, in the household of Pharaoh. So he was very privileged. He had 
all of the power at his disposal. He was in charge of a lot of things. He made a bad mistake, ended up in an altercation. Someone was killed and he thought that what he had done would finally be the end of his ability to be in that place. And so he ran away. He ran away. And he left because he thought that what he had done had disqualified him from whatever might be useful in the future. And some of you might feel that way. But whatever has happened to you, whatever you have done has sort of disqualified you. So we show up here in January and I want you to consider something different. So Moses is out there uh, running away, had run away. And here's where we pick the story up in Exodus chapter three, verses one through four. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, a Midian. And he had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb or the mountain of God. This is just a really nice way of saying Moses was minding his own business. Moses was just doing what Moses had been doing. He was tending his sheep. He was wandering, looking for food. Moses was doing what he had already done. And here he is, he's out there. Verse two, there in this place on the far side of the wilderness, on this mountain of God, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And there's a lot to this, but I just wanna just observe this. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, most of us hear the story of the burning bush and you just rush right through the thing. But what happened? Moses is out minding his own business and he turns around. He doesn't even know it's God yet. He just says, huh, that bush is on fire and it ain't burning. I haven't seen anything like that before. And my point is this. Are there things in your life, maybe in your personal retreat that you did over the break, it was just kind of like a, huh, I haven't seen that before. I haven't thought that before. Like a hunch. Sometimes things come to me and it's just like a hunch or an idea. I'm like, huh, hadn't thought about that before. Haven't considered it before. Haven't seen that before. Sometimes it's when I'm reading the Bible. Sometimes when I'm having a conversation. Sometimes it's, it's just like a, huh. It's like the more you get curious about this, the more you see this stuff. Huh, I didn't see this before. And it's just stopping to consider something. Most of us, we have this all or nothing success, you know, pass or fail, black and white view of how God works. It's always like poof and it's instant and it's there. And this is not how the story unfolds. Moses is simply out minding his own business and he sees something he's never seen before. And now that he's not, he's seen something he's not seen before, he's now gonna have to consider something perhaps he's not considered before. So verse three, Moses thought to himself. So you have this sort of, this idea of Moses, huh? And then we get like a, a, a thought bubble of what pops into Moses' head. Because there's plenty of way out there that the sheep, so if he's talking out loud, that's kind of weird. I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. Do you notice anything about Moses and his approach that has anything remotely to do with what we just talked about a few minutes ago? What was Moses? He was curious. He walks over there to see what in the world is going on. Now, this is where a lot of, this is why we need this. Because some of you have hunches, you have this thing that God has said or done or something you have seen, and you just sort of are waiting for it to miraculously kind of combust and become something, no pun intended, and to become something completely cohesive and understandable for you to apply to your life. And you've never gotten curious enough to say, what is this? Why do I think like this? Why am I seeing this? Why is this for me? What's happening here? Verse four, 
When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God calls to him. Now this is the familiar part. God calls to him from within the bush. It's Moses, Moses, and Moses responds back to this bush. Here I am. Again, do you notice anything about this passage, about the order? When does God say something to Moses? When God saw that Moses had done what? Had gone over to take a look. When he got closer, when he considered, when he started putting some things down, it was at that point that God spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. And the reason I'm saying this is because what all this is about, this isn't about finding a principle or a plan, a principle that you can apply to your life, a plan that you can execute with your life. It's about an encounter. It's about seeing something about God. And what you're gonna see is that not only does Moses encounter God, he encounters something about God that is going to alter the way in which he's gonna live his life. A lot of us, we've encountered God as something that happens, helps us after we, you know, after we die or something that helps us to have the right principle to execute or operate within some particular circumstance or things that's happening around the year. But we don't have a mechanism that says or encountered God in a way that makes it a way of life. That makes it something that you're gonna do every single day and think about it and kind of reevaluate or reorient your life to this way. Moses, God tells Moses that he's gonna use him to deliver his people. He says, I'm gonna send you to Pharaoh. You're gonna tell him to let your people go. And he doesn't really give him a whole plan. He just invites him. And then they go back and forth. And I, I, one of the reasons I love Moses is because I can relate to him. Moses tells God, God, you don't want me speaking because I stutter and I don't finish as my sentences. And I can totally relate to that. I've been doing this for 23 years. I've gotten better at finishing my sentences. It used to be complete like on your own for the first 10 or 15 years. And, and so, but it was always this sense that there's, you know, in this Moses just deals with his insecurity. He just, he just deals with it. Hey God, you've got the wrong guy. And I don't know if you ever felt like that. Somehow what, what God is asking or calling or you don't feel worthy to be the kind of person I think it's exactly what he's saying. It's like, hey, God, you've got, he's like, no, no, no. And I love this last part. This is in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I that I should go do this thing that you want done? <laughs> you know what God says? He doesn't even answer his question. He just says, God said, I'll be with you. Don't miss this. It seems as though who Moses thought he was was not that important compared to who would be with him. That somehow we're so consumed about trying to figure out who we are and how we're going to be and all this stuff. And God's basically like inviting us into a life with him. Why do you think that might be important? Because who you do life with is more than likely going to be the most shaping force in who it is that you become. This is really important for us to consider and to understand. He doesn't just encounter God and get some next steps, but God, will, God says he will be with him. He encounters this God in a way that says he's going to actually be present with him and not to like escort him or accompany him and then let him go on his merry way, but to actually create a life with him. He, he creates or he encounters the reality that God desires for us to live our lives with him, to be in relationship with him. And we look back over the 
sort of Moses' life and we see who he becomes and he's led the people out and he, 10 commandments and all the things that Moses did. And we think, how did Moses become that way? And here's the big idea. This is what I've been kind of noodling on, sketching out, if you will. That life with God, for Moses to live life with God is the context from which Moses would become himself. Moses didn't get a strategy or a few principles to apply. And then he executed those well, and then he became. He walked with God. He did his life with God in God's company and God's company with him. And out of that place, Moses became, and here's how it applies to you. If that's true for Moses, what if it's true for you? What if your life with God is the context from which you become the person that God has created you to be? Do you suppose that you're gonna walk with God? So you're here, right? We're right here, January 8th, beginning of sketch month. And some of you are like, man, this is why I came. I'm like fired up about God. I'm committed, you know. Do you think that you're gonna walk perfectly with God every day for this entire year? It's not a trick question. Yes or no? What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding, right? Let me, do you think that I'm gonna walk with God perfectly? You're like, I hope so. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I always joke, I, I hate golf. For those of you who are golfers, I'm sorry. Um, but I always remember like going with people who are good golfers. I'm like, what is this club with the S in there? That's like a sand wedge. I'm like, why would you use that? Well, in case you're hitting a trap. I'm like, I thought you were good. Because the idea, right, you, you gotta, it's, it's not about how, it's not about how perfectly you do something. It's about what happens to you. And what most of us, our approach is we try to change and we don't change and we go, I'll just wait till next year. Or we try to change and we don't change and we say, well, that's just who I am or how I am. And what you need is you need a place, a way to remind you that God is with you and that it is his intention for you to become. And we need to increasingly get vision of that knowing that it is incomplete. If you are 35 years old, you do not know what kind of person you are going to fully become when you're 55 years old. If you are 22, I know you think that you do. You don't. And it's okay. It's okay. Because God intends for us to bear his image and his work in us is designed and it's always working to ensure that as we walk with him and live with him and listen to him and take our cues from him, that we actually become more reflective of his heart in our lives and then for the sake of the world. This is a very different way of thinking about my own world. I get it. My one word, I get it. But it's so important for us to really embrace this process. In order for you to develop personal vision, to develop personal vision, 
you have to give yourself permission to A, for it to be incomplete. The best you can know is just to get it down and for it to be imperfect. I remember um, I, I've been, um, I, I've resolved a few years ago, not resolved, um, I just made a change, started eating uh, healthier, healthier. Um, for a long time, I would eat like cookies and milk every night before bed, uh, Chips Ahoy, chocolate chip cookies, um, sometimes Oreos, uh, it was a lot of them, uh, and a whole gallon of milk, about one gallon a week. So it was just, you know, yeah, lots of it. Um, I would have lots of fast food, almost no vegetables, and uh, if fruit snacks count, that was my fruit. And so um, I decided that I was going to try to eat better. So I eliminated red meat, did some other things, started eating fruits and vegetables, and eliminated uh, whole milk, completely no milk at all. I still would have some cheese, um, but then um, uh, and just did it. But at nighttime, because I, I loved to snack, I was like, man, there are no healthy snacks. Like apple, you know, just get old, like chewing on like uh, plantain chips or something. So um, I would make a peanut a almond butter toast on Ezekiel bread with some honey and uh, hot tea, and that was my nighttime snack. <laughs> Sounds really good, doesn't it? So I would do this. It's like my, my ritual. So I'm eating uh, two pieces of almond butter toast and my honey. And, you know, as the world goes, you blow it at dinner time. And you end up going like PTs or something. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And you'd like wolf down a hamburger, cheese, those delicious fries that are so good. Brah! And as soon as you're done, you're like, I feel like I'm going to die. Then you come home and you've already blown dinner. So what are you going to do? Cookies and milk, baby. <laughs> Why? Because you can just wait until the next day and it's all over again. And you know what I found one of the most important disciplines for me became whenever I would have a dinner that I wasn't proud of. For snack, I would have almond butter toast on Ezekiel bread with honey and tea, to reorient myself to what I knew that I really wanted and that I really, even though I really wanted cookies and milk, to reorient myself. So that I went to bed, I finished that day inclined in the direction that I wanted to begin the next one. So why do I tell you this? Because these imperfect days that you have the tendency is going to be, well, I've already blown it here. Let's just add some cookies and milk or whatever your thing is. Then it's three days, it's five days, it's two weeks, it's six weeks, it's eight weeks, it's two months, and then I'll just wait till next year. And what you need is a way to reorient yourself to the thing that you have been created for to reorient yourself to the primary shaping influence that holds promise for you to become the way you have been created to become. So here's 
what I want for you to consider. <clears throat> there are a couple things I would do. One is you're gonna, Clay will tell you in just a minute and our campus pastors will tell you um, about picking our words when we do that together. But the, but the way we're using my one word this year is to reorient ourselves to life with God. And that who or what you live with will be the primary shaping influence in who you become. So what I want you to consider is, and I would, I would get out my journal, a piece of paper, a sketchbook, whatever you have to do, and ask yourself, what is the primary shaping influence in your life currently? What has it been? Is it the fear of failing? Is it you're trying to prove yourself? You're driven to prove yourself? What is the primary, whatever you do life with? Then I want to ask you to believe something. I want to ask you to believe something. Here's what I'm asking you to believe. I'm, I'm convinced of this. But I'm asking for you to consider or to become convinced that walking with God, that a, a relationship with him, living with him, listening and praying and spending time and meditating and seeking and being submissive to the spirit, to God's spirit in us, that walking with God serves or is the only healthy foundation from which you can become who you've been created to become. Everything else is malformation. Everything else, consider this, that everything else then is shaping you or forming you into someone that you are not intended to be. That's a big thing to consider. So we need to sketch this out, don't we? It's a lot to think about. You don't yet know that the Louis Vuitton building is gonna look like the Louis Vuitton building. All you know is it's gonna look like some middle, some elementary, I keep saying middle school, some elementary school chicken scratch on a piece of paper. But I can assure you of one thing, you will never see what it's gonna look like unless you first put down the chicken scratch on the piece of paper. And that's what we're gonna use January to do. Is that fair enough? Because here's why. If you don't, you're gonna end up January 2024 in just a more hardened version of the trajectory that you may currently be on. Unless, right, we take advantage of this. Fair enough? Father, I thank you that you have invited us into a relationship with you to live and to commune and to dwell. <clears throat> That's the language. Father, that we live as those who have been forgiven, that our sin has been removed because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. In this life, this way 
of life is available to us because of his resurrection. So Father, help us to believe and to trust that it is out of that place that we will become, that we will experience what you have promised to do. You are faithful to complete the work that you have begun within us. So Father, as we embark on this adventure, we want to be close to you. We want to sense your presence. And I ask, Father, that you would guide us and help us along the way as we become the kind of people you've created us to become. May each day and this week be immensely uh, profitable and helpful to that end. And help us to be aware of it. And I ask all the same of your son, Jesus, is our king. Amen. Amen.